HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The following is a message from Heritage Foods USA. In the next few weeks, Heritage Foods USA will be offering an interesting variety of amazing products, ranging from top quality seafood to their famous pork cuts. At the end of May, the Heritage team will go up to Maine to harvest fresh lobster with sustainable lobster meat. These delicious lobster are a perfect way to kick off the summer season. In the pork department, Heritage Foods USA will offer the maple-cured smoked boneless heritage ham at an unbeatable price. This offer won't last long, so get them while you can. Place your order today at heritagefoodsusa.com or call 718-389-0985. That's 718-389-0985 to place your order with Andrea or Ashley. Don't forget to sign up for the email list and to check them on Facebook and Twitter to get in on their new products, deals, and offers from Heritage Foods USA. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. Today in the studio, we have a returning guest, good friend of the show and good friend of mine, Ari Form. Welcome back to the show, Ari. Thanks for having me yet again. <laughs> I can't believe we're here again. <laughs> Let me ask you, did you actually want me on the show or am I a last second fill-in? You didn't make that clear. <laughs> we made it clear that you were going to be a repeat guest on the show. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so how have you been, man? I'm all right. I'm doing well. Cool, man. Yeah. Um, so you, okay, I just want to jump right into this because it's so <laughs> weird. You brought with you on the show today uh, something, we actually didn't bring any glassware to even try, but we can try it together. Um, one of the weirdest things that I've seen in, or never seen um, why don't you just explain how you came about, uh, how this bottle came in your hands? <laughs> well, uh, and it's a silly bottle. Um, my, uh, my grandfather, uh, the right and admirable George Form, uh, passed away uh, in July. And I was going through his liquor cabinet, and way in the back was this uh, unopened bottle of Irish liqueur called Royal Adair. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, And then it says, Ireland's own liqueur, uh, produced and bottled for Blackwater distillers in Cork, Ireland. Now, I tried to find some information about it uh, using uh, uh, the computer and the internet, and (laughs) I didn't get one single hit, so I have no idea 
at all what this is about. There's no ingredient description. There's just some sort of like legendary story on the back about how Cistercian monks were responsible for this, which is clearly a lie. <laughs> well, what's funny about it is it actually does look like uh, a whiskey bottle, and the color looks like a whiskey, a little bit darker than a normal Irish whiskey. Um, it's kind of crazy that, okay, over the last, I would say maybe you're going to let me try it first. Well, I'll, I'll drink out of the bottle cap. You can, uh, have, the, okay. you can have the glass. <laughs> I bet you, I, I, really, I think I said this before, but I think it's going to taste like Drambuie or something. <laughs> well, let's try it. Smells... <laughs> I don't even. Mm. It tastes like coconut, like coconut rum. Yeah, it does. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that coconuts were so. This prominent. is like this is the predecessor <laughs> of Malibu or something. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, so this tastes nothing like anything Irish I've ever tasted before, no. whiskey or otherwise. Um, it's crazy that something like this exists with no information about it, which means that, I mean, who knows? My my. You know, my granddad was 88 when he passed, so it could have been, like, in his cabinet since, like, the 50s. Jesus. Or the, you know, or the or the late 90s. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> well, with the Malibu craze. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you want that? <laughs> uh, you can have it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we can keep it in the studio. Yeah. Jack might want a swig of it later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, he's waving yes. Um, so it's kind of crazy. Over the last, like, I would say, like, 10 or so years, Irish whiskey's really made a huge comeback. I mean, it's always been big yeah. because of the fact that it's mostly uh, blended right. and easier to drink. And especially like Jameson, obviously Bushmills, they've been doing really hardcore uh, marketing pushes for those two over the past decade. At and least, yeah. yeah. And, it, least, and, and, yeah. and there's no peat, right. which I think makes it a little bit more um, acceptable to sort of anybody between the ages of 16 and uh, you know 25 who's learning to drink whiskey. It's like, yeah, it's like whiskey. I don't want to offend anything here any Irishmen out there, but uh, it's almost like a, a introductory, like you said, an introductory whiskey, and it's uh, almost a whiskey for people who don't normally drink whiskey. Yeah, um, and I but that's the, fair not, to say. not to say that all Jameson or Bushmill products are like that. They have, you know, uh, Jameson 18 and, mm-hmm. you know, Bushmill 16, Triplewood. They're, I mean, they're amazing. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not for beginners. Yeah, it's just in the same way that, you know, uh, different scotches, single malts have their different uh, ages, or their age expressions. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, it's it's the same way. But mostly what you see is, like, the standard, be it, you know, six years aged or eight years. Yes. You know, well, I, I, something I find uh, interesting about Jameson, and you know, being a bartender as well, that uh, Jameson is very commonly drank by us. Um, you know, after work. Little shot of Jameson beer, and that's the thing. Jameson typically is always used as a shot. Yes, it doesn't get used a lot in cocktails. What do you think? That, I mean, do you think it's just because it won't stand up to a lot of I think other it's, ingredients? It's, it's light and it's a little sweet, and um, but yeah, I don't think it has the the backbone. It, the it's a light um, eighty proof. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like there can be like heavy eighty proofs, but this one's really light. Something I do find funny though. Um, is that you know you have you have uh, tons of bartenders who like their shots of Jameson, like they like their Fernet or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, don't, I don't think it's a culty thing anymore. It's just kind of what people do because it's nice and light and it takes the edge off uh, after a long shift. But uh, you have this one aspect of Jameson or these these group of people drinking Jameson who are probably the connoisseurs of alcohol, mm-hmm. and then the other end you have people who have no idea what they're drinking and they're just drinking it. 
because either they saw somebody or they read a lot of, I don't know, like Bukowski and they think that's who they are. <laughs> like I, I can remember working at, um, I was at Huckleberry Bar uh, for a yeah. while in, in, in Williamsburg. And uh, they have a great cocktail list and a great spirit selection. And speaking of Fernet, they have a really kick-ass old like 40s bottle of oh do they yeah they do oh, now. They oh that's awesome yeah. that's so awesome i've tried to buy it off of them several times <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you <laughs> to <have>. no avail. <laughs> um but uh you you know you'd work there on like a like a thursday night with a little more mature crowd or something and you're like making these really great uh cocktails like really specific lovely and then friday and saturday night comes and you know the dj's spinning and there's just like everybody is 23 years old yeah and the process of making drinks at that point should be uh, everybody is given a glass of ice with Jameson in it upon entering that they pay a cover charge for. <laughs> and at, at different moments during the night, bartenders just uh, just soda gun ginger ale into the air. Because that's, what, that's just what everybody orders. <laughs> it's hilarious. That's awesome. Um, yeah, they, my experience with Jameson, or just Irish whiskey in general, my first experience with uh, was with Bushmills. Mm-hmm. I was I was living in Oklahoma City at the time, and I was driving down with my brother and a friend to Dallas, Texas, to go see the Dropkick Murphys and Lars Fredrickson and the Bastards play. At, I can't remember where it was, but it was in Dallas, Texas, okay. somewhere in Deep Ellum. And uh, my buddy uh, John Smith brought he purchased a bottle of uh, Bushmills. He was a little bit older than us, and he was really an Irish whiskey. And he would <laughs> so he buys this. Uh, this bottle of Bushmills, and which is definitely not as smooth as something like Jameson, no, or Powers even, um, which is the unsung hero. Yes, it is. <laughs> agreed. Um, and I just remember putting that in a flask and taking it to this Dropkick Murphy show, taking swigs out of it, and just not really enjoying myself. <laughs> this, but this is before <laughs> I started drinking whiskey. This right. is when I was still on gin were you, tequila. Were you taking uh, real like big boy sips? Yeah, I, I was at a Dropkick Murphy show, like. I'm standing there like this scrawny, like 19 year old kid between a bunch of skinheads and punk rockers. Like, <laughs> I had to prove myself. Exactly. You know, but uh, yeah. So then you've got um, something that was introduced to the market about, I don't know, maybe five years ago, is just now catching on Redbreast 12 year. Ah, uh, tremendous. Which is actually a pure pot still single malt Irish whiskey. I think it's actually uh, um, the pedant in me. Uh, I think it's still a blend. Um, it has a little bit. It's 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 pot stilled, but there is a little bit of. Uh, I'm not going to remember the specific. Something like um, there's a little bit of unmalted barley spirit in it, so it can't be a single malt. I think, but whatever. It's delicious. I don't care what the hell it's. I'm going to have to go back to my bar and look at it yeah. right now. Yeah, it's 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 really really good. Right. And I think they have a 15 year now. We're going to have to take a break while I go to the, <laughs> to the bar. Oh, is it on? <laughs> okay, go. Um, yeah, but now they just introduced the uh, Redbreast 15 year as well, which I haven't had yet. Have you? It's ha- delicious. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's all delicious. Yeah, you know. it is all delicious. Um, but yeah, then you know that's the kind of stuff that you would use in say a classic cocktail like the Tipperary, right? Which is pretty pretty awesome. And you know, if you use something that's a little bit ballsier like that in age, you can actually stand up to it. Tipperary being kind of like a, like a Green Point cocktail. Uh, it has green chartreuse and and uh, and vermouth in it sweet vermouth and uh then there's uh the james joyce i don't mm-hmm. know if it's i think it's a take on a classic but it's still an older drink james joyce who by the way drank powers that was his whiskey i think i think as uh, all the bartenders that used to drink jameson have uh graduated 
<laughs> they've gone up the uh, the ladder a little bit. They all started drinking Powers. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like the bartender's Myers whiskey. That's the, and surprisingly, Powers is everywhere. Yeah, and it was always that gold label on the shelf next, like between the Bushmills and the Jameson. That never, never, you never saw the 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 wash line go yeah. down at all. But, yeah, exactly. But, but it's still you, there. Yeah, totally. And it's kind of funny. Then they're actually starting to push a lot uh, as far as advertising goes as well. You're starting to see it more, but you definitely see it in the subway terminals and magazines. But it has a tremendous name. It's, it's powers. Powers. Why wouldn't you drink that? I know it's Powers. <laughs> um, speaking of why wouldn't you drink that? Uh, we were talking earlier uh, about, uh, and, and I, I, I tend to uh, think back on this article that I read. I believe it was in, like, either in Vibe Magazine or, Jesus, um, bon, bon Appetit or something like that. Um, but, and I want to say it was, like, Ted High uh, that wrote this article about uh, drinking in the morning, speaking of, like, Bukowski and Irish whiskey and Powers. And uh, this beer that we're drinking from Roberta's called the Get Safe Get from safe. Six Point, which is infused, it has a tincture infusion of uh, pineapple sage and lemon thyme. Um, we were just talking about this before the show about how it's uh, very taboo in this country because uh, we were also talking about ap- TV, like Italian drinking and that whole philosophy of drinking, not like showing yourself being an asshole, you know, being a drunk asshole in front of people, just taking it easy and drinking to enjoy it. Um, what was it you were saying to me earlier about that, about, uh, about, you know, about different people with their, first of all, pick me ups and hangover cures and things like that. You were, you were talking a little bit about, well, I just, uh, I, I don't understand why it's so taboo to not have a drink in the morning when mm-hmm. it is, and, I'm not clearly. I'm not saying like get hammered the second <laughs> well, you wake no, up, no. but like when it is, you know, a well-known fact that uh, helping you to recover from last night, having, having a drink is uh, one of the best remedies. Besides what? Besides like overhydrating and like maybe like working out or something like that to, or you know, get yourself to sweat. But having a drink really helps. Absolutely. Um, um, why waste an entire day just because you're refused? To uh, mix up a uh, corpse reviver number two or something like that, right? You know, or just have like even a like a cafe correcto, yeah. uh, like an espresso and a little, a little shot of like grappa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or ha- like half a beer, or like you know, yeah, so it really helps. Yeah, and it's observed everywhere, everywhere except for the United States, exactly because of the puritanical right, know, bullshit. or at least exactly. But and especially today, where like the. the the more historically accurate something is, especially in drinking culture, like the more amazing it is, or like, that seems right. like that's the way yeah. that, that it's going. Um, that's, that's why cocktails exist. They're, they were like, they're morning drinks. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, so bring that back cocktail aficionados and sicko fans. <laughs> cool. Um, you know what? Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk more about morning drinking with Ari form. Quattro de Mayo. Qu- and on Quattro de Mayo. <laughs> Get up, get oh, up your burst, nigga. You All right, I'll try. Get up, 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 just not knowing. I get drunk and start talking more shit. And when I got a gun in my hand, you better get out. Cause my brain just ain't what it used to be. Forget trying to rationalize, cover your eyes. I do- 
Damn, I'm drunk. I need a chunk. No better yet a hunk of that funk. When I get drunk, I might act uncouth. But when I get drunk, I always tell the truth. Yeah, I'm good, bad, dope. I'm fake fresh. I make hip hop fans say yes, yes. The licks coming through. You know we gonna blow up. Hold up, hold up. I think I gotta. Damn false alarm. I'm getting all the ladies with my cool charm. When I get drunk, I might even call my daddy a punk. Yeah, but only when I'm drunk. Drunk. The following is a public service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. Tune into the food scene Tuesdays at 3 p.m. on the Heritage Radio Network. Hosted by Michael Harlan Turkel, photo editor of Edible Brooklyn and Edible Manhattan magazines, he'll further explore the amalgamation of food and art by talking to artists from a multitude of media. Guests will range from photographers, food stylists, interior architects for restaurants, industrial designers, all the players that make you want to eat with your eyes. Get ready to feast your ears every Tuesday at 3 p.m. on the Heritage Radio Network. All right, we're back. This is the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My guest today is Ari Form. We were just talking a little bit about uh, the pick-me-up cocktails of your... <laughs> uh, yeah, basically, back in the day, that's how you would cure your hangover and get started on your day. Um, and we we were talking a little bit about Cafe Correcto, which I just found out that uh, Jack Inslee, our producer, that's one of his favorite things. Um and yeah, we talked a little bit on the break about how uh, it's kind of hard sometimes, like especially with all these gourmet coffees coming out, whether you know where they're very high, uh, caf- they have a very high caffeine content. They can be unsettling. They can be unsettling. So you do need a little something sometimes to uh, to balance it out. Yes. Um, so before the break, we were talking about uh, a little bit about aperitivi. We were talking about uh, pick me ups and. That's something, yeah, it's something that hasn't been observed in this country. I mean, well, at least not, it hasn't been embraced or accepted widely. I think it's all been um, filtered into one specific moment, which is college football Saturdays in the South. Because that's like <laughs> at like 8 o'clock in the morning, there's yeah. like hamburgers in hand and like Bud Lights and Coors Lights totally. all over the place. And it's a lot of fun. And uh, the koozie of your choice. Oh, my God. Wrapped around that. Yes. With your team. Um, you know, there's another part of that, though. Uh, well, not that, but another part of the uh, the whole pick-me-up thing. It's like brunch. Yeah. Which is, you know, y- you know, you can have a mimosa. You can put some orange juice in that Prosecco or champagne. And a Bloody Mary. You're having some tomato juice with some spice. Oh, now there's some vodka in it. Or if you're... Right, the if, old if snapper. You, you know, if you want some gin for a snapper or tequila for a Bloody Maria, um, you're still drinking a cocktail early in the day for what most people consider uh, appropriate times of drinking. Yes. But, um, yeah, so with with the availability now of certain spirits like, you know, obviously Campari and Aperol have been around for a long time, then you've got... All these new vermouths coming in to them. Well, new old vermouths, you know, stuff that we haven't been able to get for ever. Like Dolan, you've got Carpano, uh, Punta Mez. 
these things are widely accepted, you know, in in Italy as all day drinkers. You know, you just take them with some soda. Uh, maybe you mix them together. You know, like the Milano Torino, uh, which dash some soda on top of it. Yeah. It's an Americano. The dash Americano, some gin exactly. in it, and then you've got your Negroni. I mean, like th- there's a a whole procession to how these cocktails that we now know, like the Negroni, came about, and it was based out of those pick-me-ups those very light drinks that were refreshing and very settling as you no, put it exactly or, it's, you know. it's like having a good relationship with your stomach knowing how to yeah. take care of it when to loosen it up when to shut it down when to open it up all that there's also uh you know the whole fact that you know uh, these certain kinds of like bitters specifically uh which back in the day also like sweet vermouth wasn't really that sweet it was it was bitter you know just like carpano punta mez and uh, even dolan via vermouth that way as well um but these really get your your body starts to uh your brain starts to react to the bitter and it starts to get your salvatory glands going and then it lets you know that it's time to eat yeah so the whole idea of an aperitif is actually a very scientific well if you want to call it that a very scientific way of getting your body to build up its appetite and get ready to start the meal. And then you've got your digestive, which settles everything out. Um, I just recently, about a month and a half ago, tripled the size of my brunch cocktail list. Wow. So there's like, there's things like Brown Derby, which is a great morning drink. Um, We've got a, a champagne cocktail, like a, a, a rosé champagne cocktail with a little bit of elderflower in it. Um, you know, taking these different cocktails that are typically on cocktail lists at cocktail bars that are served at night, are, but are uh, appropriate. Are people uh, adventurous at that time of day? It's insane. People are going crazy. Awesome. Yeah. But it, the thing at my bar is like people are always drinking anyway. They'll drink cocktails straight through <laughs> their right. whole meal. You know, it doesn't matter. But... um. I mean, would you ever think that other bars might start doing that? I mean, they, they have to start doing that. I mean, like, because yeah. and I think it's like doing that is kind of like moving into like what you were talking about earlier about the theory of that, you know, people need to be embracing that and like right. accepting it more. Well, I think once the, you know, once the cocktail culture um, starts to go in that direction um, or the majority of bars restaurants start to go in that direction more people will follow you know so now it's like fashionable to have like um your bloody mary cart or list or you know like like we have offer right. seven different kinds of bloody marys and you know that was i mean that's started maybe like a decade ago mm-hmm. and so you know there's people who are behind and then as people like like you um the vanguard of the industry uh, be uh, you know, start putting other cocktails on, uh, and people start loving them and buying them, and uh, hopefully everybody else will do it too. That'd be great. You know, have you ever had the Barman's Bloody at Clover Club? No, I. Uh, it's made with rye, muddled basil, fernet branca. It's killer. But that's another. They they, they actually have a a nice little list of uh, brunch cocktails. Yeah. Now that I think about it, is there a and tomato juice in that as well? The no, it's just it's oh, not even really? a bloody mary. It's just called the barman's bloody. Oh, that sounds delicious. To I'm, me kidding. Because, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. Because bloody marys are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and bloody marys are one of those things that like I, I don't see how people can slam more than one of them. No, it makes you it. shouldn't because that's like that's a meal in itself. Yeah, it hurts. Um, a little so bit. it's nice to have those options. You know, different options, different cocktail options on a menu. 
um, Fort Brunch, which ultimately should never happen. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. If you're in the industry. <laughs> Agreed. You're not, you're not t- so into it. Um, speaking of Apple TV, and due to the fact that tomorrow is Cinco de Mayo, I whipped up a little something uh, to... I'm going to just grab my spoon here real quick. Damon's opening a bag. I'm opening a bag. He's taking a spoon out of the bag. <laughs> I'm taking a spoon out of the bag. Um, so It's a tiny spoon. We were just talking about... It is a tiny spoon. It's the <laughs> smallest bar spoon, I think, ever. Um, which is why it fits in my bag. Um, we were talking about uh, Apple TV. We are talking about... Well, we haven't really talked so much about Cinco de Mayo yet. But uh, it is tomorrow. And to commemorate that, this cocktail is called the Quattro de Mayo, which is the aperitivi, the aperitif to the main course of tomorrow, which is Cinco de Mayo. Basically, what we take in here is uh, kind of like an old pal variation mixed with a Negroni variation, which are all variations of each other and other things. But uh, we've got... Is this a mashup? It's a mashup. Yes. <laughs> is it on YouTube? It's on YouTube. <laughs> Um, this is uh, about an ounce and a half of Milagro silver and an ounce of Aperol, an ounce of Dolan Blanc Vermouth, not dry vermouth, but Blanc Vermouth. There's more residual sugar and some uh, chocolate mole bitters. And this is going to get us started for what we've got going I know, we have on tomorrow. 48 <laughs> hours of party. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think that. It, it, hold on, we're going to try this first. Yeah, that works. Um, so I love Dolan Blanc. Me too. Jeremy likes to shoot it. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, among other things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't it crazy like how uh, Cinco de Mayo is... Well, first of all, a lot of people don't realize that it's not Mexico's independence Yeah, like it's not day. independence. Exactly. It's like a battle or the something. The Battle like of that. Puebla, yeah. which they won over the French, was kind of like against all odds, you know? But isn't it crazy how many... Um, like, how many people... Celebrate that like momentous occasion for uh, for Mexico and don't really. Well, it's like, uh, do people? I don't even know. Well, uh, well, now I'm going to sound dumb, but what's St. Patrick's Day all about? You know what? I don't even know. Now that you say, is it, it the birth of Mister Patrick? <laughs> I do know that Oktoberfest doesn't happen in October. Oh well, there you go. It was a celebration of a wedding, I believe, that lasted. Yeah, just excuses. Yeah, um, but I'm not Irish. Right, or but you are not Mexican, man. And I'm not Mexican. That was all about, which so you did some research. And I also don't drink a lot of Irish whiskey. So St. Patrick's Day seems to commemorate St. Patrick, obviously, but also the arrival of Christianity to Ireland on Um, that one day. uh, Or it's just like a. I think they just they just celebrated that day. Yeah. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Jack. That's our producer, Jack Inslee, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) chiming in for the first time ever on the speakeasy, (laughs) except for that one time when we had a call, I believe. The you, first show. You can get calls? Oh, we should have asked the, <laughs> we should have asked the six people who are listening to us to call in. <laughs> well, maybe next time. Hi, Mom. <laughs> because you will be coming back on the show. I hope um, so. Well, maybe not after this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so uh, Cinco de Mayo is tomorrow. Do you have any plans for Cinco de Mayo? I what day is tomorrow? Thursday. I mean, sorry. Uh, yeah, it is. Tomorrow. Um, yeah. I will be celebrating Cinco de Mayo by playing softball cool. in a competitive league, representing the Alibi on DeKalb Avenue. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, Ari, uh, 
where are you now? You're over at, uh, you're working over at, uh, you, you're no longer at Jake Walk. Right. You're I'm, over at Henry Public. Yeah. Now. I'm, I'm doing a little bit at Henry Public uh, with, uh, with a bright future ahead of me. So I don't know what's about to happen. I just know that I enjoy being around uh, people like you. So now I have more free time to do that. So you'll <laughs> probably just see more of me. <laughs> awesome. Um, what nights are you over there? Uh, Wednesday and Sunday and sometimes Monday and also sometimes Tuesday. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> Wednesday. It's very loose, but never, Thursday, Friday. ever Friday. <laughs> never, ever Friday, no. except for sometimes. Next Friday. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Um, well, we'll be sure to come and visit you over at Henry Public. That's on Henry that and Atlantic. Uh, Pacific. Pacific? Yeah. Between Pacific and Atlantic? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, man, thanks for coming back on the show. And... We'll have you again on soon. And cheers to you. Yeah, man, it was my pleasure. Cheers to you. All right. Thanks, Jack. Cheers, everyone. Oh, man, he's high. Yes, higher than a kite. That cat is high. Look that look in his eye. Man, I wouldn't lie. The cat's higher than a kite. And now, here's some behind-the-scenes food news with Katie Kiefer. Guess what? Food prices will likely continue to rise, given the fact that corn planting is lagging way behind last year. According to Drover's Cattle Network, planting is down 53%, which will undoubtedly put more of a squeeze on livestock farmers, especially pork and chicken farmers, because, after all, they're the ones who use more corn than anybody else in terms of livestock production. Here's a quote from the Drover's Cattle Network. 13% of the corn in the top 18 producing states has been planted, according to the USDA's Crop Progress Report, which was released on May 2nd. Although it is a 4% improvement from last week, nationally, the 2011 corn planting is 27% behind the five-year average and 53% behind 2010's progress. And this is no doubt likely to bad weather, drought conditions in various places, and more rain in others. Who knows? But whatever it is, look to see your grocery bills rising over the next few months. This is Katie Kiefer for Behind the Scenes Food News. Did you know we have a beer show? Check out a small clip from Beer Sessions Radio. All right, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43, and I'm here with Ray Dieter from the DBA Bars. Hey, Jim. Ray, this is a fun show. We're drinking Belgian beer. We're drinking Ictagum. Hanging out with the guys from 124 Rabbit Club. We got uh, Don and Wendy from Van Berg and the Wolf. Well, let's go back a little bit to, to kind of build your pedigree. So the two of, the, two of your top brands that we... Love and that you have now, Scaldis and Saison Dupont. Yeah, exactly. Tell us uh, h- how you met those guys, how you started working with them. Well, Saison Dupont was really that. Was if you want to hear more, head over to heritageradionetwork.com where new episodes of Beer Sessions are posted every week in our archive. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and iTunes.